I'm here in my room. I've got my computer turned on in front of me. I've got my microphone set up. There's a notepad open with some notes about my podcast. It's time to rewind. Looks like they're open to the fifth scene of Memento that starts in color at six minutes and 58 seconds with Leonard writing kill him on the back of a Polaroid and ends at 10 minutes and nine seconds with Teddy popping into the lobby of the motel with a big Lenny. There's also a Skype window open. Oh, hang on. Who is this? Hi, Bubba Wheat. It's me, Eric, your co-host. Oh, of, of course. I I seem to have forgotten. And uh, and who is this? Uh, hi, it's me. It's Jay. It's your, your guest. <laughs> oh, of course. So welcome back. It's uh, good to have you back on for your last of, of four episodes in, uh, in this season. <laughs> yeah, my last and also second. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's always fun recording these out of order, just just like we're watching the movie out of order, technically, <laughs> uh, for Memento. And, but, you know, let's go ahead and jump right into the this today's scene. And uh, we kind of mentioned it last time, but I, I really like how, how well the beginning of this scene connects to the end of the last scene, because we literally just uh, saw him shoot Teddy for the second time. And now we're jumping in seeing him write down the notes that informs that action yeah yeah it's we know what's gonna happen he's gonna kill him we just saw it success tick cross it off his list he he made a one a one item to do list that day (laughs) (laughs) what do you think he's gonna do now he's he has crossed off his to-do list like what's what's Leonard's life like now well, I mean, this driving he, force. He, there's a good chance he's going to keep going around looking for other John G's, but he's not going to have Teddy to handle him. That's the problem. Yeah, I guess it depends on whether he's going to have. Uh, he, he has this Polaroid that said he is the one, kill him, and he's now killed him. It's, I guess it depends if he takes a picture of him saying, "I did it. This was the one I killed him," which we know didn't necessarily work in the past. Mm-hmm. But maybe it will this time. <laughs> Yeah, you never know. I mean, if you go back to the the original short story, you know, that that short story ends with him uh, looking with the character looking into the mirror and not recognizing himself because he is basically much older than he remembers himself. So it's like many, many years goes by and he's still kind of in this condition. I mean, it's it's a lot more vague about what's going on in the short story, but we do it does kind of end in this this moment with him being an older man and still coping with this condition. He doesn't look in the camera and go, Are you a John G? Back <laughs> <laughs> forgiveness. It almost feels like it's it's kind of a slow moment, and I feel like this again is kind of a contrast to the end of the last scene, where we get this you know almost action beat with, with him killing Teddy, and this is like literally forty seconds of him walking out of the motel room, walking down the stairs, and going to ring the the bell at the front desk to talk to Bert. I mean, I, I guess this is 
we, we've all seen the film before. We understand it's playing backwards and stuff. But people seeing this for the first time, this allows for a moment of like, what the hell? What? Like, we just hang on. He just killed the guy, and now he's back here writing the note. To, I don't know what is going on. Like, because this is the scene, the the loop uh, where we get the exposition mm-hmm. uh, of like short term memory loss, etc. Uh, so yeah, it's the, uh, you need that gap for the audience to like, what what is like to just try and collect their thoughts and piece together. So hey, he just killed the guy, but now he's back at the motel. We've just seen him in a different hotel room, looking out the window at this door, and it's it's just allowing those puzzle pieces to sink in. I guess a forty second shot. Yeah, and 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 he he collects himself also before he goes in he's he's very he's a bit harried he's a bit fast and then when he gets to the bottom of the stairs right before he goes into the, the lobby of the hotel he suddenly just stops himself just sort of you know does kind of a little shoulder shrug make sure he uh jacket's okay and and completely changes the way that he's walking in all much more casual and calm and like hey how you doing yeah the, the shoulder shrug is also i think because the, you know, the suit doesn't fit <laughs> right so i think course. he's like just kind of adjusting that a little bit as well well and that's also where his uh polaroid camera is hanging so he's adjusting the strap of the the polaroid camera hanging uh from his shoulder inside his coat right. yeah and, and then jay to your point about you know us, us kind of as the audience trying to figure out what's going on we have this plot contrivance of bert having him go through the whole his entire situation just to mess with him even though he already knows but we need that as the audience so that our confusion doesn't last much longer as we start getting into this movie i, lo- I love a, a good exposition good <laughs> a, a good like real believable exposition sequence the, the all-time best of course is jurassic park the, the dino dna scene best film ever uh, but this this works because like we get we get the insight of we get him explained to to Bert, but also we get to see like everyone messes with this guy. Everyone just this is such a, a, a phenomenon for every character around him that you're just amazed by it, and everyone kind of messes with him a little bit. Which then everyone messes, starting with just this su- supporting character, everyone messing with him makes you think makes you not think at all that he's messing with himself. Like that, he's he's the one who's who's done all this to himself. I, 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 this is a, just wonderful exposition sequence. Yeah, I, I love how they how they explain like the explanation for this exposition moment because it, it is necessary. But based on what we find out about these characters, it really fits and it, it works so well that you know Bert is this character that he is just fascinated and and confused by Leonard. And he is just playing along with it because he just wants to see Leonard go through this again. It's almost like a magic trick or like a, you know, or like a freak show that's right in front of him. Yeah. I mean, no, uh, Nolan often gets accused of being very serious with his films. I think some of his funniest stuff is a memento. Just like having, having fun with what is a very serious, very dour situation and just kind of having fun with it. I, and I like how this it does in a way it informs the structure of this movie too because Bert is the character that says like well it's all backwards which that is exactly how the the film is structured with it being backwards in, in reverse chronological order uh for the majority of it did you hear that audience it's all back did you get it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a real dark helmet look at the camera moment there huh <laughs> i mean yeah, it's, it's it... great how he says maybe you got an idea of what you want to do next but you don't remember what you just did 
you know, and of course, Leonard only knows what he wants to do next because of all of his notes and his tattoos. He doesn't really even want he he doesn't really even know what he wants to do next. He knows what previous him wants him to do next. Yeah, and that it's also like a very trailer line too. Yes, definitely. And then the other thing that that I love about this is like whenever it gets towards the end of this explanation and then he just like he can't stay in character anymore and then he just gets this little smile on his face and that is enough for Leonard to to pop back into um you know insurance investigator mode and he recognizes that little smirk enough to realize that Bert's messing with him yeah it's uh, he 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 has some skills, you know. He know he has people skills. It's a uh, like this is why I, I think I think sucks about the situation a great deal is like he's not going to learn any new skills. Like if you think about like, everything you know now, just this second now, that's all you'll ever know how to do ever again. You're never going to be able to learn anything new. Well, I mean, he is so able he's... to learn things, but he has to learn them in a very different way, and it's and he can can't even really remember that he learns things because his whole system is something that he learned after the fact. It, it's something that he learned through habit and repetition, but it it is such a it's a very long and involved process in order to learn new skills, and and it's it's a very difficult process, especially when you have to kind of set these things up and really have this system in place in order for him to develop these habits and repeat these habits enough that they become that they basically skip over his short term memory. Or like his, I I like to refer to it as like his medium term memory, and then go directly to his long term memory. Yeah, and it's almost like if you were to view his brain as a muscle, he's creating muscle memory somehow. So maybe he 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 won't know where he picked up this new stuff, but somehow brain isn't literally a muscle, but brain muscle memory kind of. Mm. And it's but he's, he's fortunate is the wrong word. Uh, he's, this isn't a fortunate situation, but he's like lucky to have the people skills, the people reading skills be something that's already in his repertoire from his past life. Because like, that's that's a useful skill to have in, in this situation. And then we get this moment where Bert asks him what the last thing he remembers is. And, and we get this great, like, very subtle moment and the camera is like this, you know, slow and subtle push in where Leonard just says, my wife, uh, he just says, my wife. And he doesn't go in a, into detail here, but knowing the rest of the movie we know what him saying his his wife really means to him and you can see the look on his face that this is not a pleasant memory that must suck the biggest understatement <laughs> of the film yeah and this is if you're watching the movie this is the first time he mentions his wife correct or or has he been mentioned in the in the has she mentioned been mentioned in the black and white minutes yet no, because he's in the black and white scene. He's literally just talking about the anonymous motel room. Okay. So now as the viewer, again, we're getting, oh, okay, something happened to his wife. Something bad happened to his wife. This is tied into what's going on. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, he brings up the Polaroid of Teddy and, you know, Bert says that Teddy's his friend and Leonard immediately jumps onto the defensive. And so I'm I'm kind of curious because we do start with him writing down kill him and we don't necessarily get like a, a moment of 
him not remembering or like losing his memory because the way that it the movie is structured is that each color scene is kind of a moment in his memory and we can kind of assume that we are in Leonard's head and then he doesn't remember the previous scene in chronology which is why we as the audience don't remember it because we haven't seen it yet but how much do you think he retains of his memory of why he wrote down kill him on this Polaroid of, of Teddy? Like, do you like how much do you think is still does he remember at this point? Do you think it's all gone or do you think there's like just a, a general uh, emotional feeling that Teddy is a bad guy? Like, what do you guys think? I, I think at this point he doesn't roll out his memory for anything. I think as soon as he's written it down, that's what he relies on. He recognizes his own handwriting, and if he knows he's written it, that's what he goes by. So I, I don't think he has any recollection of why he wrote that, but he wrote that, and he's therefore acting upon it. Yeah, I, I think I think that's kind of a a good way to look at it. That I, have, I almost feel like a, a way to describe it is his memory is kind of leaking out rather than uh, some of the instances that we see where there'll be like some sort of instance where his mind just goes completely blank slate. I feel like that he does retain the fact that he's looking for Teddy and there is this negative emotional connotation attached to why he's looking for Teddy, but the specific reasons have leaked out in the time that he's gone from the motel, uh, his motel room down to the front lobby. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that would explain his walking of the first 30 40 seconds of the scene before he calms himself down now that's that's a very angry motivated walk which implies that there is you know negative emotions behind it yeah because i i know that he talks about as long as you stay focused then you can kind of keep that in your mind but i think you can only stay focused on certain details and and so i think i feel like he stayed focused on the fact that he's looking for teddy and that's the the one memory thread that that stays in his short-term memory and everything else just kind of leaks away he's got that and he's he's gonna tell uh to to let uh, teddy's calls go through that's the thing that's that's his his like side mission he's currently on the little little chat okay gonna do this thing and after that we don't know because Teddy shows up. Yeah, and then we get this um, th- this other moment, which I I do want to make sure that we don't skip over completely because it, it's a moment that pays off later of Bert mentioning the bill. <laughs> as long as you remember to pay your bill, and that's you know it, it's a very brief and quick moment, and you don't think too much of it until you get to the punchline of that joke, which happens like you know. I think around the halfway point of the movie, give or take. It's hard. It's hard to blame Bert for taking advantage of the situation in this way. I mean, I feel like I'm not going to say I would do the same thing, but I'd, I'd definitely be tempted. And we don't know how many how many rooms he's charging to this. To, to the, the, whole, the entire hotel could just... be booked up for all of them. <laughs> yeah. He can afford it, even though he doesn't know that he can afford it. Yeah. <laughs> How many times a day does he charge him for the same room? He does every day. (laughs) He's getting rich off this guy. Pretty much. And and I'm sure that 
you know, even though that he, you know, we'll talk about this a bit more later, but I don't think I brought this point up that, uh, or, you know, will in the future, the, the fact that he mentions that his boss was the one that told him to, to do it, but I'm sure that he probably pockets some of that extra cash himself. Yeah, I don't think Bert's a high, a high standing citizen. <laughs> yeah, his boss has probably said, oh yeah, charge him double. And then Bert's charging him quadruple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's> very... <laughs> He's, oh, great idea, boss. Yeah, I'm going to do more of this. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get you know, the, the first repetition of the scene where we get the, the moments that we saw in the, the previous color scene with uh, Joey Panliano knocking on the door and giving his teddy and because this is the first one, this the first time it happens, it is. Uh, I'm fairly certain that it is beat for beat, shot for shot. Uh, timing, it's exactly what we saw at the beginning of the last color scene. I think so too. And that chewing gum is just obnoxious. Everything about Teddy is just obnoxious. <laughs> Love him so much. It's like he's obnoxious, but he's so happy about it like he's just so charming but he's obnoxiously charming or charmingly obnoxious depending on how you look at it both of those things yes yeah and then that's uh wraps up this scene and that's that comes to the end of my notes do either of you have anything else that you want to say about uh this uh this scene i just want to call out the actor who plays bert uh, for a couple of reasons, his name's Mark Boone Jr. And yeah. um, first of all, he's not actually a junior. That's just a stage name, which I found <laughs> very humorous. But also, he his the stage name actually includes the word junior fully spelled out, not Jr. Period. And I found that humorous as well. So he's having some fun with his stage name. And I just wanted to call out that he's in a really good episode of season one of The Mandalorian, um, eh, midway through the season in the episode where Mandalorian has to break into a jail. That is a great episode. Yeah, I, I really like Mark Boone Jr. as well. I was going to call him out too. Uh, he, you know, he's he comes back with with Chris Nolan for Batman Begins, uh, and he's the aforementioned almost in here Die Hard 2. He has a very small role in Die Hard 2, uh, as in you, if you watch it, you will not see him on screen. Uh, but he's <laughs> he's in there somewhere. Uh, yeah, he's he's just one of those another, another great character actor who doesn't get as much work as he should do. I would say he's wonderful. Yeah. He's got a very distinct look to him. Yeah, in everything. Yeah, he has a very distinct look, and and he is one of those actors that he tends to have a small but often memorable role in a lot of a lot of movies and TV shows. He's great. All right, well that you know wraps up your stay here at uh, you know on this season covering Memento. And once again, I'd like to thank you, Jay, for joining us this season and, you know, these first four episodes as our uh, first guest here. And why don't you go ahead and uh, take one more time to let everybody know where else they can find you online. Uh, thank you for having me. It's, it's, uh, I'm sad that recording is over. I wish we could sit for another hour and talk more about this film. <laughs> uh, but um, <laughs> as I mentioned before, you can find me on Conair the Podcast and Deeply See the Podcast. I also host... Uh, Lampady over on the large association of movie blogs podcast, the Lambcast. Lampady is our movie trivia podcast inspired by Jeopardy, which he doesn't know it yet. Eric's going to be on at some point. 
I guarantee it. Yeah, it's right. come on and do movie trivia. It's, it's, gonna it's like knowing the future <laughs> of a movie when you already have seen it. Where, where, where do we just discuss that? Yes. <laughs> we definitely haven't recorded it yet. That's actually true. We haven't. Uh, but uh, they can find out over on the Lambcast, which is regularly hosted by Richard Kirkham. Uh, I used to host the show, don't anymore. But I still stuck around to do movie trivia. So I love it so much, and Bubba often sends me questions. And I'm very grateful for that. So thank you, Bubba, for all of those questions. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Eric, for joining me as my co-host for these color scenes. Certainly. And as always, I am Bubba Wheat, and you can find me on Twitter where I'm at Bubba Wheat. You can find this show, It's Time to Rewind, on Anchor.fm, as well as anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. We also have a Facebook group, It's Time to Rewind, a time loop group, and you can join that to discuss episodes as they come out, as well as have discussions about time loop movies and TV episodes in general. And until next time, I assume I've already told you about Memento? Only every time I see you. That must suck. That's all backwards. I mean, like, maybe you get an idea about what you want to do next, but you don't remember what you just did.